0: How's it going? This is A Kilted Preacher, and it has been a while since I put a podcast out. Some of the reason for that is because I've I've been doing research and trying to find what I can do to produce better quality content. Um, Same kind of content, just better quality, better audio, uh, and trying to work out times to do this. It's kind of difficult. I'm a father of uh, four children, and uh, we live very busy lives in my household. You might also uh, know my wife, who also puts out podcasts. She's Aubrey CD Speaks, and uh, she has a wonderful voice, and she preaches a wonderful truth. And I highly recommend you check her out if you haven't. Again, she's Aubrey CD Speaks. Um, I would say it's been a crazy year and a half. But to be quite honest, I feel very fortunate to be in the situation and circumstances that I'm in... Given everything that's going on, and I'm talking about uh, all this pandemic palooza stuff going on uh, And the reason why I say I feel very fortunate Isn't because I might be living in one of the freest states in the 48 uh, which is Texas but it, It's because since 2016 The church that I've been at has been in revival and um It's really changed all of our lives. I can't explain it any other way than that. And uh, what revival basically is, a lot of people have a lot of uh, content out there about revival, what it is, what it's not, why you can't have it, this, that, the other. But God has been showing up in in these meetings. We, We come to meet with God. We don't come for a normal church service, and it's not normal church service. There isn't, you know, what you would think of as stereotypical church service going on with, you know, Christian Americana, it's it's just we, we come to meet with God, and God has been changing our lives. And if anyone tells you that revival is anything else than that, then, you know, whatever, uh, you know, it's whatever. I'm just telling you what, what he's been doing, and uh, he's really been blessing us through all this and uh, has really, I'll say it this way, uh, to be very Broad and vague uh, made things a lot more pleasant with all this political pandemic stuff going on, and it is political. Um, you you really can't argue that with me. It's, it's completely political. But uh, that that's actually not entirely it, 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 some of the subject of what I wanted to touch on today. But it's not entirely uh, what I wanted to talk about. I'm not I'm, you know I don't want to sit here and focus on the troubles. Uh, rather. I want to focus on who the solution is uh, with all this, and and you know if anything, this podcast would be good for like a self evaluation, just to see where you are with things, and uh, so we can go through that together. How about that? You know, I don't know who you are, I don't know who's listening, so don't think of this as me being judgmental because I have no idea who you are, and um, anytime I do these podcasts, I just want to be real with you guys. I'm a person just like you. I put my kilt on just like everybody else. And, you know, I'm just a person, you know, um, John fifteen sixteen. I didn't choose him, but he chose me. And that's kind of the situation. Anyone who honestly, and my pastor says this, and I see this as being absolutely true. Anyone who chooses to be a pastor or a preacher has got to be crazy if you choose to do this, because if you could do anything else, you know, I think it was Leonard Ravenhill that said this, if you could do anything else, it might've been Dave Wilkerson, then do that thing. Because if, if. You are not obsessed with preaching or pastoring either of those things. If, if, if it's just not what you live for, then don't do it because, my goodness, it will it'll destroy you. As would anything, honestly, from God. Any good thing that comes from the Father Lights is good, right, according to First John. But if you're not equipped, if you're not converted, if you're not born again, you know, these things, although they're good in themselves, would utterly destroy you, you know. Um just just to kind of like think about it um when david got the ark back from the philistines and they were bringing it back and it was stumbling and there was a guy who went to go catch it as soon as he touched it he dropped dead is the ark evil no absolutely not you know it was a, a symbolic representation of god's presence on the earth and uh since christ came he's he's the living ark he's the living image you know he is uh fullness of god who came in flesh and dwelt among us and then um uh, died on the cross for us and and completed completely sated the wrath of god showing god's love towards man and you know showing that god's desire is not to destroy us but to forgive us and bring us back to him and the only way back to him is through the blood of jesus you know after after accomplishing what he was set to do when he when he first came God showed His approval on Him and raising Him from the dead and, and seating Him at the right hand at His right hand above everything and and there He is, you know, in the flesh, hundred percent God, hundred percent Son, seated above everything. That is Jesus, right? Okay. Where was I going with this? Give me a minute. Ah, oh, yes. So, anything from God is good. Jesus was good. Okay. Um, I believe it was Obed-Edom who the Ark stayed at in the Old Testament for a little while. And he got blessed by the Ark being there. He respected it. He followed all the rules, I guess you could say, because he didn't die. And he kept getting blessed uh, just simply by being in what was the representative representative presence of God at that time. And uh, that's essentially... Kind of what's been happening with revival at our place, except for it's not the ark. It's the Spirit of God who is God with us now. You know, Jesus absolutely is Emmanuel. He was God with us, but where is he now? He's at the right hand of the Father. And what did Jesus say? He said, you know, I go to my Father and I will not leave you comfortless, or I will not leave you as bastard children. He said, I will send you a helper. I will send you a comforter, and he will lead you and guide you in all truth. And so Holy Spirit is with us now, Pentecost happened, Acts 2, and He is the presence of God on the earth. He's 100% God. Most people don't give, uh, or I'll say it this way, most people have no idea who Holy Spirit is. And I will recommend a book, and this may make you stop listening to my podcast now. I really don't care, and I don't apologize, because it's a wonderful book that's nothing but biblical truth, and it's Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. That book, my pastor talked about how it changed his whole perspective about Holy Spirit and thus changed his, you know, life. And uh, I would listen to it when I was in Los Angeles working my job and uh, listen to it on my Bluetooth while I'm welding. And I would agree, it absolutely changed my life. There was, you know, really understanding that Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person in the Triune Godhead, you know. You could think of him very much as a person, just as Jesus. You know, in our in our little minds, in our little eyes, it's really impossible to comprehend God. It really is the fullness of who God is, and God Himself said, you know, if anyone, no one could see Him and live. But we have Holy Spirit now, and Him showing up in in our church has been completely changing. Everything and changing our lives just like Obed Edom was getting blessed by by housing the ark we're getting blessed by meeting with God in these meetings and uh, He's been changing our lives He's been healing hurts. He's been Physically healing our bodies. He's been pouring out the father's love into our hearts and, and giving us that that uh security and assurance that, you know, a person needs that affirmation that a person needs to be confident, not necessarily, I mean, some confidence in ourselves, but more so confident in who God is and standing on, standing on his word and believing his word and having faith in his word. You know, this, this really, uh, might take some people off, but it's absolutely true. Loving God doesn't move God. Now without love, there's nothing. Sure. First Corinthians 13, but what does Hebrew say? says without faith it is impossible to please god us loving god doesn't please god because any love that we have towards him is reciprocating the love that he poured out on us okay that's first john 5 behold what manner of love uh, the father has bestowed on us that we are called the children of god you know and again for first john it's not that uh, we loved him but that he first loved us So any love reciprocated back to God was because He poured out His love on us from the beginning anyways. And that's not to diminish any love that we would have for God. But simply put, the Bible says it's faith that pleases God. And pertaining to our walk here on the earth, everything is about faith. Faith in God. The point of Jesus dying on the cross is to bring us back to the Father most people don't understand that, and then the point of walking this life out here on the earth is simply having faith towards God. It, it's it's a um, it's a journey with God, having faith in God and His Word and doing what His Word says and standing on His Word. It's it's a journey with God, and it's and it's walking this life out with Him. But it's also a very how can I put this? I, I have no word to adequately express this. It's rewarding, just to say the least. It's rewarding to say the least to, you know, actually put the word to the test and be like, God, your word says this. I would like to see that today. I want to walk this out. God, can you really do this? You know, and he loves it he absolutely loves it when we put his word to the test like that when we say god i'm gonna put faith and trust that you're gonna do exactly what this verse says you're gonna do he absolutely loves this and i'm telling you from firsthand experience you know um if if you're familiar if if you know me in person and you're listening to this podcast ask me about uh mark sixteen fifteen hollywood that trip. And I'll tell you, that's that's all I did all that trip was say, God, your word says this. And I want to see you do that today. And then God would do some crazy, crazy, crazy things. You know? Uh, it, it was a wonderful experience. And I will tell you that, um, and I'll just throw this out there. A lot of that revelation and a lot of that confidence came from God ministering after I had made the commitment saying, I'm going to tithe from this point forward. A lot of people have issue with that, but I'm telling you. You'll get blessed in every single way, including financially. But that being said, so the presence of God has been changing our lives to kind of bring things back around track. And I want to ask you, what has your outlook been since um, this political pandemic that has hit the world? You know, since about March last year. How... uh, how has your perspective changed uh, you know i understand you know a lot of people live in a lot of different places and you might be listening to this podcast from anywhere else but texas so i can completely understand government enforcing and and uh having lockdowns that you might disagree with and at the same time you don't want to get thrown in jail okay i get it you know i got a i got a friend um from Canada, and I'm not gonna say who he is or much about what's going on there, but he's a born-again believer and he's having to, uh, you know, I, I'll just say he, he's not, you know, agreeing with his government. I'll say it like that. And uh, on that note, you know, just quick little side note, I'll tell you, pray for Canadian Christians, especially those who are legitimately born-again. Just, just pray for Canada, you know, in general. A lot of the people there are really sick and tired of what's going on. It's kind of mixed right now. It's kind of tossed. Some people have really fallen for a lot of this propaganda, but there's also a lot of people who haven't, and they're sick and tired of everything going on. Um, So if if you think about it, pray for the Canadian church, pray for the Canadian people. They need to get set free. As a matter of fact, any country that is being heavily, heavily oppressed by any of these political pandemic policies you know they they need to get fed up and they need to rise up and uh that's really the only way this thing is going to end it, it won't end with everyone Th- this pandemic will not end with everyone huddled in their houses in fear with masks i'll say that the more you give in to this thing the more it's going to take from you you know if you're huddled in your house in fear uh, with a mask on or three masks or five masks or 27 masks you know they're, they're gonna introduce another policy and they're gonna take even more from you and then pretty soon they'll take your houses they'll take over your finances they'll seize your bank accounts don't think they they won't because they can okay that's one reason why I've been leery about the government sending us a lot of stimulus money I knew they had access to our bank accounts before especially when you file taxes and if you get any kind of tax credit and you you have them send it uh, uh, direct deposit. They already have your bank information, anyways. And uh, I think it was, I think it was back in the eighties. Like just as an example, in Argentina, uh, one country called Argentina's debt and said, "Okay, you gotta pay up now." So what did the government of Argentina do? They pulled all the money out of people's bank accounts, and then uh, they gave everyone essentially food stamps um, until things could get back on their feet it was an economic disaster for the country of argentina but don't think that a government cannot just up and pull all the money out of your bank account because they can and they have it's happened before in the past and not that long ago you know in the 80s some of us were born by then so just let that sink in but again this isn't this isn't about you know stirring people to fear and nothing like that um my point was And uh, the question that I was coming back to Is what has your your perspective been About all this Because uh, the enemy really is Really really is Trying to Really hammer down on everyone in the world Right now Everyone overnight just like bowed down To these uh, Pandemic policies Like the whole world just came to a screeching halt overnight And that really concerned me And uh a lot of it had to do with uh, China saying China says this, China says that initially, and then the World Health Organization kind of backed up what China said, and then everyone just came to a screeching halt. That uh, that shouldn't have happened. But my point being, back on, on the topic, you know, have you been focused on? Uh, have you been focused on you know, oh, COVID this, COVID that, or you know, my own problems, this, that, and the other. Or, you know, what what are the things that have really consumed your mind during this time? And the reason why I ask isn't to say, well, you better and you should do this instead. It's actually like just for you to see where you stand and to to offer a solution. Which is, man, all of us need revival. I still need. I've been in, you know, I've been experiencing revival meetings since two thousand sixteen, and uh, I can't wait for the meeting we're gonna have today. You know, I I, I need it, and that's. To me, that's kind of like a, um, a subsequent effect of revival is just wanting it more. You know, it's very addicting. It's very, very addicting uh, to just be in the presence of God. And the wonderful thing about God, especially right now, like you just say, Holy Spirit, come and boom, there he is. You know, I mean, it's great to get together in these corporate meetings, but uh, he's been so wonderful and great. Like, don't even have to wait. Still want still want to go to these meetings. But I'm just saying. He's made himself like available. Just completely available. And uh, I think where a lot of people struggle. In and, and all honesty about revival. Is believing that God would actually pour out revival. On them. Uh, there's a lot. Especially in the Pentecostal circles. There's a lot. And there's 101 reasons why God wouldn't pour out revival on you. And to summarize all of them. You're just not quite good enough. But. By definition, that's exactly why we need revival. And going off scriptures, that's like the best circumstance to be in to receive revival is knowing you're needy, knowing you need more of Him, realizing that, you know, without Him, all this is meaningless and it means nothing. And you just need more of God in your life. You need God to fill you, you know, every waking moment that. We're supposed to be wineskins holding the presence of God, but we're like colanders that just keep spilling out everywhere. But to be quite honest, I think we're supposed to be that way by design because because if we're continually being filled by the presence of God as a colander, you're going to just like spray everywhere. And I think that's the point. I have often said that being in revival reminds me of when I was when I was like not even two years old. I can remember. I was like probably 18 months or so. I was like a year and a half old. Um, I was living in San Antonio with my parents and my uh, maternal grandparents, and my uh, paternal grandfather came down from Mansfield, which is by Fort Worth, Dallas area, to San Antonio, and uh, he took me out for the day, and uh, (laughs) when I got back home, I had two ice creams, two chocolate ice creams, one in each hand, and chocolate ice cream was just everywhere. I was shirtless, pantless, just in a diaper. And chocolate was everywhere. My mom was furious. My dad was laughing. My grandpa was laughing. Uh, my grandpa did not care one bit. And my mom was furious. He he gave me a grand old time. And he was just absolutely beside himself uh, with joy. And uh, that reminds me so much of Revival. Is The father just wants to like pour out his love. And it just makes him so happy. And he just wants to bask, in, he wants us to bask in his presence and he wants to bask in our presence and he wants us to be so intertwined together, like, like some sort of like, you know, mixed cotton or something. He just wants to be in every single part of our lives and in intertwined in the very fabrics of our being. And that just tickles him to death, but not really, you know, God can't die, but you know, it just tickles him. It just it, it makes him happy. That's what he loves to do. That's that's the whole reason why he sent Jesus in the first place was to bring us back to him. And that's what revival a lot reminds me of. Is like you know, there's there's him pouring his presence out, and then there's making a mess because of his presence in a sense like everyone can tell essentially that you've been changed and affected by revival and the point is to have the presence of god leak out splash and you know pour out everywhere subsequently you know while you're just having a wonderful grand old time in god's presence just living on the daily life you know um i thought it was great it was last friday just out of nowhere you know i'm doing i'm doing work in, in uh, my little office area that i share with two other guys they just start you know i'm i'm just you know going about my daily business and then both of them just out of nowhere just start talking about god and uh, led to a great conversation it just like poured out onto them and the thing that is is before right before they started talking about god i was like man holy spirit your presence is so thick and i'm i'm just talking to him you know not out loud but just talking to him And and I was like, I can really feel your presence in this room. And then they started talking about God, it was the greatest thing ever. It was the greatest thing ever. And uh, that's really bringing this all back around. Revival really is the answer, uh, to all this. The thought it with this pandemic is. Whether you realize it or not, it was meant to make the church, the actual church, you know, I know there's a lot of fake churches and that's a podcast for another day, but it was to halt the movement of the real church, to halt the movement of those who are, who are born again. My greatest challenge since all this political pandemic policy stuff has come about is uh, just talking to people about Jesus, just, just giving the gospel you know, one-on-ones. Um, given the gospel in general, these policies have made it rather difficult. Have they made it impossible? No. Uh, just got to get creative in overcoming these hurdles and these uh, obstacles. You no, know, great. I'm very grateful that a lot of Texans are fed up. There are some that have, you know, taken the bait. Okay. But uh I think that. Th- before here long, at least here in Texas, it's it's you know we're just gonna be absolutely done with it and fed up with it, and uh, if you live somewhere not in Texas, and you're like, well, good for you, you know, man, pray that that happens wherever you live, you know, God can do anything anywhere, and um, I, I you know i'll tell you that a lot of us we pray for our state especially those of us have been in revival we pray for our state we pray for uh this nation we pray for that man who's assumed the position of of president of the united states i do not believe he won this election fairly and uh it's not based purely on you know my own opinion it really was sketchy that six states stopped counting at seven o'clock on uh, election day, and then next two days, they got you know just enough uh, mail-in ballots uh, for for those states to be overturned uh, to this imposter in chief, and it was just enough where the states wouldn't have a uh, legal obligation to do a recount. It was just barely enough, depending on these states' laws, and. Um, You'll see in the, in the coming months that it'll be no surprise, especially in Maricopa County, for example. I think they've uh, they said that they've uh, looked over about half of the ballots and half of the half, showing all kinds of problems and anomalies and defects and things of that nature. So it raises suspicion. And they're not saying you know, if it's in favor of one person or the other. But just in general, that there's all these anomalies. So that is very skeptical. And, and there's other states, Ohio and, and now Georgia. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Georgia. Uh, I do know that uh, there are certain people who do not want these uh, audits to happen. They're sending people like, for example, uh, Hillary Clinton's lawyer that was there for the um, email trials. showed up in Maricopa County that really didn't hit the news but he was there and tried to uh, frustrate stuff going on there as well as other stuff going on and you know it, it doesn't make sense that either party would want these audits to stop because whether you want or not if you really are for the American people you would want to put to rest any suspicion you know if you did win you would want these audits to continue because you would want the truth to get out there once and for all okay we've overlooked we've seen this that and the other and these are indeed where the ballots lie you know if you really won this election so i mean the fact that this is met with such resistance automatically tells me right then and there something is not right and then the numbers are not adding up Uh, Not to go on a political rant at all. But the point being is there's a lot going on in the world right now. And the enemy really is trying to uh, enslave, really, not just the Christians, but everyone, you know. And what are we going to do about it? Because we should not... We shouldn't have come to a stop. Whatever we we were... If we were doing things, unless the Lord told us to stop doing things, we shouldn't stop doing... We shouldn't stop... We should not... Be stopping those things you know um, anything God tells us he already knew that the world was gonna go crazy in March of last year he already knew anything he's ever told us prior to March of 2020 God knew what was gonna happen God knows what's gonna happen in the future so anything the Lord would be leading you to do anything he's ever told you. He already knew this was going to happen. Nothing, nothing on his part has changed, you know, and whatever might be going on with our lives. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of us, myself included, have been met with certain challenges and difficulties. You know, I don't, I don't want to rant about my problems at all because I'm telling you, I've I've had real issues show up in my life, but Jesus is the answer. Jesus is still the answer. Jesus will always be the answer. No matter no matter my situation, no matter my circumstances, no matter you know what's going on in my life, Jesus has proved Himself over and over and over that He's the answer to any and everything that I can deal with. If it was sickness, Jesus is the healer. You know, if I was growing cold, the blood of Jesus can cover me. You know, Holy Spirit can put me back on track. Whatever, whatever I need, God has and God can supply. And there are times definitely, you know, it's great to get that reminder. Absolutely. So maybe this is that reminder for you today. I don't know. I don't know where you stand. I don't know who you are. I don't know who I'm talking to. Because right now I'm just talking into the, you know, ethereal void of internet land through Anchor. And, you know, this will get broadcasted all across, you know, proverbial airwaves. But if you're listening to this, I don't think at all that it's by happenstance. I do believe uh, in divine providence. Absolutely. I, I do believe that God leads us places and... You know, he'll tell us, turn on this, tune into this, look at that, you know, read this chapter in your Bible, put on this, uh, uh this preacher today, you know, I, I absolutely believe God, God does that kind of stuff. Um, because whether we follow him or not, he, he's still Lord of all, he's still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He, the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked, you know, it's raining right now in my vehicle where I'm, I'm recording this. And, uh, you know, that verse comes to mind. He's still in control. It's, it's by His goodness and His mercy, you know, that all of us draw our next breath. And for those of us who aren't born again, it's, you know, His borrowed time of love and patience that you're drawing breath. And the only thing that's, you know, between you and death, you know, period, is the next breath that He has ordained for you. You know, we have, we. it's pointed every man today to die once and then face judgment. Hebrews 9, 27. So until that time, you know, he ordains the next breath. He, he ordains the next heartbeat. He keeps you going. And it's strictly out of his sovereignty and wisdom, why he does what he does. You know, I couldn't tell you. But all I know is, it's his hand that holds us up, that keeps us, you know, like, um, jonathan edwards says in his sermon uh his sinners in the hands of an angry god it's it's his hand that upholds us that keeps us from falling on the slippery slope you know and that's absolutely true and today you know you may not be born again you may not be a christian and you've listened thus far today might be the day for you to meet god to encounter him to experience his goodness and his mercy all he requires is this complete and total brutal honesty of God. I've been a liar. I've been uh, a murderer at heart because I hate so and so and so and so. I've been an adulterer or adulteress at heart because, you know, I've listed after this person or that person. I'm just going over basic general Ten Commandments that all of us, myself included, have broken. You know, um, I haven't always honored my mother and my father. I may not even know who my mother and father are, but I I hate their guts. You know, whatever the case may be, I myself um, was adopted by my maternal grandparents when I was uh, 12. Uh, Mom wasn't able to take care of me. She didn't have the means and my father left us and took all the money. I could understand having hatred in your heart for uh, a parent. I understand it. It's still a, a commandment to honor your mother and your father. And we still break that one. Uh, And it shouldn't be treated any different than the others because you break any part of the law, you break the whole of the law is what James says. You know, you may not have actually killed someone, but you have uh, discrimination for an entire people group. I don't like people that listen to such and such music. I don't like this race of people. I don't like this denomination of Christianity. You know, whatever the case may be. Uh, We may have, you know any any one of us has taken the name of the lord in vain and, and if anything else we've you know not been the greatest examples of christians or christianity or representing his name we've all drugged his name through the mud and all these things you know we've done all these things and if you're listening and you think i'm i'm being judgmental I, again i don't know who you are but your own conscience right now the reason why that feeling is coming up is because your own conscience your own voice is telling you you're a witness to yourself Yes, I've committed this. Yes, I've done this. Yes, I, I, when no one was looking, I did this right here. And, you know, this is the part where you just be honest with God and be like, God, I've done these things. And at that point, that's where repentance comes in, whatever that looks like. But it's a turning away from your old life, turning away from who you used to be. And it's to grab hold of everything that Jesus is it's to say i know and that jesus is my only hope uh, and my and the only solution that god provided to save me from what i rightfully deserve which is an eternity in the lake of fire for every sin i've ever committed because by one sin i've i've owed my life because the wages of sin is death you know but god in his goodness and, and his mercy sent jesus to die on a cross for my sins to pay the fine that was due that I could not pay in all of eternity he paid my fine because I only have one life to give but he was the perfect sacrifice who did not sin, who laid his life down willingly, he was the high priest the one mediator between God and man who could bring about peace between God and man and he did it and it's to completely grab hold of Jesus however this looks looks like, I'm not leading you in any kind of prayer at all, I'm just saying if you realize that you've angered God, if you've broken his heart because you've you've broken his commandments, because any of his commandments, they, it wasn't because he was trying to be harsh and, and you know, uh, and, um, a ruthless God, In all of his commandments, they're, they're about consideration, they're about considering other people, and they're about considering his own feelings, so it was to keep us all safe and happy, in all honesty, they were very reasonable, but we're not reasonable people, We're very irrational. We are ruled by emotions. You know, Jeremiah tells us that the heart is desperately wicked. And uh, is deceitful and desperately wicked. You know, who can know it? We deceive ourselves. That's why we have the saying, I hate to burst your bubble. Meaning, you know, I'm going to confront you with this reality that you may not understand at this moment or have ignored. That's what, you know, burst your bubble is. It's uh, confronting (laughs) About uh, you know something that's truthful, when you're deceiving yourself, we deceive ourselves. We're rational people, and it's it's just a it's a it's a what do you want to call it. I wouldn't call it a fruit, but it's it's a symptom of you know being completely corrupted and lost by sin. And uh, if you're if you're Listening to this and you're not born again and and you've listened, you know, thus far I've said that a bunch of times, but hear me out. You know, and you realize that. Don't get upset with me. First of all, I don't know who you are. Second of all, I'm just saying what the scriptures say. Your problem isn't with me anyways. We could probably hang out and like, you know, drink a cup of coffee and chill. Your problem's not with me. It's, It's confrontation from the word of God. I hate to burst your bubble, but it doesn't matter how good we think we are or even how good our friends say we are. All of our friends, if we have friends, would stick up for us, right? And say, oh, so-and-so, you know, Joe Smith is a good person. Or, you know, whatever your name is, insert your name here. That's never been God's standard by which he judges us. It's not how sociable we are. It's, It's have you broken his law? It's have you received Christ? These are the really biggest factors in our judgment. Because I can tell you... Every single human being who has ever existed, with the exception of Jesus, has broken one of God's laws. It's His, con- it's He's written His law in every human being's heart, and we either excuse or inexcuse our actions according to that meaning. We either say that you know murder is wrong, or we justify murder. You know, some cultures uh, they had certain rules about what kind of murder was okay and what kind of murder was not okay. You know, And in any given courtroom, in any given country around the world, murder is punishable by law. So we have written documents proving that God has written His law on every human being's heart. And it's called a conscience, and we don't listen to that conscience. We don't. We refuse to. And uh, if you're willing to confront the truth, which will only bring about good change, if you're willing to deal with this and be honest with God today... Today, God can deal with this because the point of God, even confronting about our sins, even confront—I can tell you from my own personal experience—when He confronted me about my sins, it wasn't to push me down in the dirt. He was making me very aware of my situation. He said, "Hey, what you, what he, what he literally told me is what you deserved as hell." Because I mean, He went through all the commandments. And I didn't grow up in church and I didn't know the Ten Commandments, but l- looking back and, and knowing what happened and remembering what happened and knowing the Bible now, he went through like all the Ten Commandments. He even showed me what the first sentence that he said. He said, drinking might, uh, 21 might be the legal age to drink, but it doesn't make a right. It just means it's legal. And that's verbatim what he told me. And that was the first thing God had ever said to me. And when he said that, I instantly understood God has a standard that's much higher than man's standard. And that was a point I was trying to make earlier about your friends might say you're okay. God has a standard that's much higher than any standard of man. As a matter of fact, man's standards, I mean, he's so far above them, he does not regard them at all. He completely disregards what people consider right and wrong because he is so good and he is so sovereign and he is high above everything. Like God isn't even tempted by sin. It's just in his nature to be good. He could choose to do wrong. But he just never does wrong. By definition, we lucked out. We happen to have, you know, the one creator just happens to be good and makes all the right decisions by choice. That's just who he is. That being said, the reason why God confronts us and we feel conviction, it's, it's not to gloat. It's because he's saying, hey, you're about to run off a cliff and and, and I don't want you to fall and die. The whole reason why God would confront us about our sin isn't to isn't, you know, oh you're judging me or anything. It's not like that. It's because God's trying to actually deal with the problem he saying, you know. I, I constantly quote this when I open air preach from Isaiah one. He says, Come, let us sit down and reason together. Though your sins are scarlet, I'll make them I'll wash them white as snow. God's like, I really want to deal with this. And the reason being is because sin separates us from God. So the whole point that even you feel conviction, if you're feeling conviction right now, is because God's saying, hey, I want to deal with this. I want to talk to you about this, and I want to deal with this once and for all. I don't want this this obstacle between us anymore. I don't want this separation between you and I anymore. In Exodus 20, he said, "I am, I am a jealous God. He's called jealousy. And the reason being, if you read in context... Is because he doesn't want anything to take place of him in your mind, in your heart, you know, in your thoughts, in your emotions. He doesn't want anything to take his place in your life because of how loving he is, how good he is. He has all the answers for you and he wants to provide you all the answers you need. And then some he wants to he he wants you to live this life and, and be happy about living life and having a full life and life in abundance like jesus said he just wants to deal with this one issue so don't throw up any walls i mean if you're listening to this chances are you're listening by yourself anyways you know put off the religious airs it doesn't matter how long you've gone to church cockroaches grow up in church i'm not calling you a cockroach i'm making a statement meaning doesn't matter how much you go to church It doesn't matter how much Bible you read. It doesn't matter how, quote unquote, anointed you are. All of us need Jesus. You need Jesus. If you've never been born again, and what that means is like where you've actually encountered God, where you had an encounter, you know, I'm not talking about receiving prophetic words. I'm not talking about healings. I'm not talking about feeling God's presence. I'm talking about if you've never had an encounter with God where he confronts you, and he takes out that stony, cold, dead heart, the one that lacks all consideration, and he puts a heart filled with the love of God in you, where you couldn't love anyone or anything before, now is filled with the love of God and completely changes everything. It's not, you know, hiding things that you know you shouldn't do because you love doing them, which Paul mentioned in Romans 6 is, is a, um, it's evidence of, of someone who's, dead. You know, their spirit has died. Their conscience is gone. Sin has completely killed that person. That's that's what a, a spiritually dead person looks like. God breathes new life into you. You now have freedom and choice and you have this perspective where you don't want to do the things you used to do anymore. You know, that's why, honestly, that's why it's real easy to condemn a Christian because it's things that they don't want to do that they fall into when they sin. When they sin, they feel bad about sinning because they don't want to hurt God's heart. That's the big difference. And I'll tell you, Scripture says in 1 John, that He pays for sin once and for all. Again, just like any prophetic word, and I mentioned this earlier, any prophetic word God gave, God knew we'd have this pandemic and, you know, things would happen. It doesn't change the word. You know, Jesus dying on the cross for all of our sins doesn't change. That's the that's the thing that's it's an agreement it's a deal. When you encounter God, when you cry out to God because you realize you've sinned against him and he encounters you it, it, it says in in uh, Ephesians 1:13 like this is God's pledge to you that when you believe the gospel which is, which is preached to you, you'll be sealed for redemption with the Holy Spirit you know he's an engagement ring. So to speak it's a promise of something that's that's gonna come it's um if you're familiar with your scriptures in genesis when when uh judah the son of jacob uh slept with his uh, daughter-in-law who was dressed as a harlot you know because judah was supposed to give his uh third son to her he had lost two and the law was you know you you provide a brother you know to uh, make a child in his older in his uh, other brother's name if if he didn't have any children so judah wasn't upholding his end of the bargain he should have gave his other son but was afraid he was going to lose that one too uh tamar came up with with uh came up with a creative way to fulfill this since um judah wouldn't give his his uh, youngest son to tamar she dressed as a harlot and uh she laid with her father-in-law And uh, I'm not saying this is all, uh, I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but this is, you know, the history is history. This is what happened. She laid with her father-in-law and conceived uh, twins. And uh, she, you know, disguised herself as a harlot when the deed was done, and, and she conceived, you know, she came back to camp, and then probably two, three months into it, you know, a little pooch was showing, a little pregnancy belly was going on. And at some point, I'll say it that way in her pregnancy, it became apparent that uh, Tamar had become pregnant. and uh, when this happened, you know it was it was a big deal because she risked she risked everything trying to f- trying to do what was right. Uh, I wouldn't say the right way, but trying to do what's right and and leaving her first husband, you know um, a lineage through her father-in-law, but leaving, leaving a lineage for her first husband who died before he had any children. She risked her life for this because she, she was going to be put to death. And, uh, when she was asked who did this, she said, no, it's the man who left me his, um, belt and the staff as a pledge. And, uh, Judah said, well, who did this? And she brought out Judah's, um, staff and belt because he had told her, Hey, let's, um, You know, do the deed and let me leave you my belt and my staff as a uh, as a down payment or as collateral, because I'll come back and I'll bring you a goat. So after they did the deed, Judah went back to camp and was supposed to it might have been a sheep, but, you know, some four legged woolly beast uh, to bring back to her. And she wasn't there. She had showed him his own pledge, his own uh, belt and his own staff. And he and he humbled himself and admitted, you know, Tamar is more righteous than I am, uh, because she did, she was trying to leave her husband, his namesake, with with children, and uh, Judah wouldn't provide that, but in so doing, it was that pledge, and that's the point. Like this is this is actually a picture of salvation, you know. Our life is messy; we don't always do the right thing, but. uh God made a pledge. God makes a pledge when you cry out to him genuinely. And you say, God, I've sinned against you. And only Jesus can solve this. Would Jesus' blood apply to my life? However that's going to look. You know, however you cry out to God. When When you genuinely... You know, are crying out to him, he responds with this encounter where he takes away our stony cold heart and he puts a new heart in us and he breathes new life into us. He, he births a new, Holy Spirit births a new spirit into us and breathes life again into us. That's, that's very much like the pledge of Jacob's, uh, or, uh, Judah's belt and his staff. It's saying, you know i'm giving you this i heard you i heard you cry out and at the end of your life and on judgment day i will save you from your life of sin i'll see my pledge here and i'll remember that i made this promise with you and i will be faithful that's what god's saying that's the born again experience that's that's the initial encounter with god that brings us back to life now god's so faithful we can we can you know people have so much question you know are we saved now are we saved later it's the answer is yes (laughs) Uh, we are saved now and we are saved later um if nothing else you know just just you know take assurance in this it's that god is always faithful to anything he's ever promised anything god ever promises he will always come through on so if you can't quite understand how we're saved now and saved later just understand that god's going to be faithful in his promise of salvation and uh call it good there until until holy spirit reveals more to you you know what i mean just just take comfort in knowing who god is and what he does and it says in second peter like god is perfectly capable of preserving his children he can save us he has the ability he is a good father that keeps his children from getting themselves seriously hurt like any good father does he keeps the kid from sticking the the butter knife in the light socket or putting their hand on the hot stove he's a good dad okay he's really good at saving his children. And that's what I would tell you is... I've, I've gone on long about, you know, if you've sinned. But have an earnest expectation. Have an eager expectation of, of an encounter with God. If you genuinely mean it. To, to be encountered by him and have him completely change your life from the initial encounter. And from there, I mean, you're practically walking in revival at that point. I mean, I kind of made this about revival. But at that point you are revived, you've been brought back from death to life. I would tell you never ever ever trade in, you know, your your initial encounter and walk from that point forward with God for anything. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Like don't let churches or people in church, I should say, don't let don't let quote unquote American Christians like tell you God doesn't Interact with people. Don't let them tell you God wouldn't God wouldn't come down and, and encounter you. I heard a famous pre I went to his church in, in Los Angeles, heard him say that God does not talk to people, that we're not good enough. And to me that just told me right then and there, because out of his mouth came the abundance of his heart, that he knows he's not born again. And I, I boldly say that, you know, I may mention his name at some point. But uh let the truth be known. You know? If anyone tells you that, it's their own conscience that's coming out of their mouth. They're telling you where they stand, okay? And don't trade in, don't trade in, you know, if you've been born again and you're hearing this, don't trade in that initial encounter for anything. I'll tell you, when when I first came to the church that I've been to, the pastor has been great the whole time. He's been great, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I'm not putting him on some pedestal, let me give this disclaimer, I'm not putting him on some pedestal he shouldn't be on. I get it, he's a person, I'm a person too, you're a person too, you know, we're all people here. But God really uses this man, and I really love and respect and and cherish everything that God's done through this man. Um, and since the beginning, I came there as a mess, uh, got out of a bad relationship. I was not—I um, was a mess. I'll just say it like that. I was a mess. My mind was clouded. I was—I um, had no direction, and um, I needed some humble pie. I'll say it like that and uh, this pastor has been nothing but patient loving and and uh, he's been very gracious like God uses this guy big time and he's used him big time in my life and a lot of the stuff has just been him being gracious with my stupidity and uh, you know after a stupid moment Holy Spirit would say hey you really shouldn't have done that and <laughs> especially in my early years there I, I apologized a lot to this pastor uh, but The point that I was getting at was uh, there was people there who were not so savory. And, uh, you know, I traded initially at first what God had done in me to try and be accepted. And I thought, I I don't know why I didn't just listen to the pastor and didn't care, you know, two shakes of a linen ephod, what anyone else thought. But uh, I got suckered into some little social group. That's not even there anymore, and they've all, you know, got offended and and put on their offended pants and left. Uh, every single one of them. But uh, I traded that in initially, and that that was a horrible mistake. And I, you know, I'm thankful that God has given me everything back, so to speak. You know, I got cheated out of what what He gave me, and um, when revival hit. I learned and he told me, you know, I haven't lost a thing. And that's just, that's him being merciful and loving and kind and gracious to me. And, uh, no, I would just tell you that, like, you can skip the whole mess and just not, you know, not let anybody cheat you out of anything God's given you. I'll just leave it with that. And, uh, I only got a few more minutes left on here. But, uh, you know the point being is you could have revival. Revival's completely changed my life. You can have revival now, God. If anyone earnestly is like desiring your presence and is listening to this podcast, touch them right now, God. Touch them right now, Holy Spirit. Would you just make yourself so known to these people who'd be listening to this podcast, God? Right now, um, I'm only gonna. I'm speaking what what I'm feeling. I'm being led by you on someone listening some people listening and it'll be when i put this out it'll be years after i put this out so don't think that you know if you're listening to this years after i put this out that this doesn't apply to you because god is god over time and space you're listening to this you're seriously hurting i see the the words i'm seeing is nerve damage Uh, I don't know your situation, just know that God knows, and right now you could have that healing. I declare that healing right now in Jesus' name. Renal systems, I'm seeing that. Kidneys, gallbladders, uh, uh, pancreas, that kind of stuff. Uh, There's been stones or damage or something, whatever is going on uh, that's also causing back pain. Uh, That's gone in Jesus name Just receive that healing right now by the stripes of Jesus 2,000 years ago. We were healed. We were already healed It's just up to us to receive that now in Mark 5 There's a woman with the issue of blood she pulled on the fact that by Jesus stripes she would be healed before he received those stripes Time doesn't matter to God God's outside of time. He dictates time. He's over time. He's not in time You could receive that right now, in Jesus' name. Anxiety. I see anxiety. I see depression. Someone deals with both. And uh, it's actually connected to gut-related issues. Uh, I declare that perfect health and that perfect balance over you, the the mind of Christ that you are supposed to have that you do have, in Jesus' name. And uh that total healing. That complete and total healing. I don't I don't know everything involved with that, but God knows and God can fix the whole situation. Complete and total healing right now in Jesus' name. Lord, anyone who wants who wants baptism of the Holy Spirit, who who wants to receive more of Holy Spirit, who's just wanting more of your presence, you know, however they word that. God, someone right now who's listening to this, who's seeking you more. Lord, I I, I pray right now, you just more, just more, just with a big old target over them, Holy Spirit, just, just pour out the love of the Father in their hearts and make yourself known to them. God, reveal yourself to them and refresh them, Holy Spirit. Refresh them, Holy Spirit. Someone who's been doing the labor and love and they know it and they've been sticking it out and it's you know it's getting tiresome love ref- god refresh them in that love refresh them in that love that it doesn't feel like work that god it's liberating to just walk with you god fill them fill them fill them, bless them fill them and bless them where the presence of the lord is there is joy scripture says psalm 19 i think Where the presence of the Lord is, there is joy. Fill him, God. And that's... uh, Yeah, that's everything that I feel the Lord pressing me on. So I hope... uh, I hope you enjoy this. I hope you receive something, most of all. I hope you receive something from the Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit... He he transfers his essence, his presence, by... He, he transfers life and liberation by the preaching of the gospel. That's why it says in uh, Isaiah 61, preach liberty to the captives. You know? it's It's through the medium of preaching that the substance and the life of God is conveyed. I mean, we can receive it by reading the Word and believing. We can receive it by meditating on the Word. We can receive it by just being in his presence but one way that that speeds us along it's exponential you know if you read in ephesians 4 uh for our growth and for unity of faith and maturity is by the preaching of the gospel he does all of it but by the preaching of the gospel so i hope you received from the holy spirit today and uh, i pray that the lord blesses you i pray that you're blessed that you're the head not to tell that no matter whatever your government says that you're above it all God, would you uh, just reveal that uh, it's by your grace that we reign in abundance in this life. Lord, that these people who are listening, you would teach to reign in their lives and to reign over, you know, wherever they're at. That, Lord, everything bows down to your name. And as an ambassador of Christ, you know, there's authority that we have. We, We carry the name and the authority of Christ with us. Thank you, Lord. This has been the Kill to Preacher, and I pray you have a blessed day. Thank you.